0: Shout out to Jack Holloway and Heaven's Music, who provided the title soundtrack to the podcast. It is called Melancholia. This is a trigger warning that this conversation today deals with topics of sexual assault, uh, rape, and uh, the abuse of women at the hands of religious authorities. So uh, be advised, this isn't to say that you should not listen, but rather to when the If the moments come to pause for as long as you need, uh, we'll be right here when you come back and now to the episode. Uh, welcome to the Growing Pains podcast. We are helping millennials get out of adult adolescence, one candid conversation at a time. I'm your host, Moki Musau, and I'm joined by the ever-rilla-don't-get-more-rilla-than-her ann Harrington, and today we got a special mini-sode uh, where we're going to be talking about this Ravi Zacharias thing, I think thing is the a good way to describe it because uh, for a lot of people it came out of nowhere, and but it seems like part of the problem is that we're focusing on us for whom this thing came out of nowhere, but not so much on the people for whom this is something that's been real for a very long time. And uh, you know we ain't gonna do no dogs today. We just gonna get jump right into this thing. You wrote a very, very um, compelling and powerful um, reflection on this. Uh, I think on on Monday or, or Tuesday, and just want to give you just open it up to you to just let us know where that came from, um, what you were. There's what you wrote, and then there's what you wanted to the message you wanted to convey what is that message um and and you know kind of how what's been the response to to that
1: yeah sure so um and just for the record we were planning on on doing a mini episode this week anyway but then the, just the this seemed like a timely it seemed like a an uh, appropriate moment to talk about this instead of what we were planning to talk about so um yeah so if you're like in the kind of evangelical Christian sphere, you've probably seen, um, if you haven't read the Christianity today article that came out about, um, Robbie Zacharias and his history of sexual assault and, and including rape, um, exploitation of women, like hundreds of women all around the world. It's pretty wild. So he, um, founded rzim ministries international ministries which is like this kind of apologetics um organization that um really had like really very broad support within the evangelical community um and yeah so naturally like a lot of people are really reeling from these revelations although they've been out there for a long time but like now have been confirmed um right Yeah. So there's, you know, kind of a couple of different responses that I've seen, you know, there's a lot of like what you said, people who are hurting and feeling betrayed and, um, feeling a sense of loss because this person that they looked up to and who influenced their faith, um, has, has like really betrayed them. And I, I feel that for sure. And I have sympathy for that. Um, and then there's, I've seen, um, it started because I saw actually a professor at the seminary that we went to posted about how like this is a cautionary tale for people in leadership, like not to fall into sin and to always be on guard and stuff like that. And then I saw another one from another prominent like uh, evangelical theologian, whatever, um, named Owen Strand. And um, yeah, so I've just seen a few things like that. And it like whenever something like that happens it always really bothers me when I hear that kind of stuff and I was thinking about why and um it just kind of like became crystal clear to me because I'm also reading this book right now Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow which is about um the whole Harvey Weinstein thing that was also happening for years raping and exploiting women all over the world very similar like so even some of the like um uh the tactics were very similar. I don't know why it's always massages, but apparently that's the thing. So anyway, um, and it was just really striking to me that I do not think for a moment that any of these people being like, yeah, we need to take a lesson from Ravi's life and be more accountable or whatever um, would have said the same thing about the Harvey Weinstein debacle. So um, anyway, so I just, I kind of, wrote about that and how um when when we talk about what Ravi did and talk about it in terms like you know it's he fell it was a moral failure um particularly saying it was like a serial infidelity or things like that we're really um uh erasing victims and 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 we're bound to repeat the same pattern of behavior and see it repeated over and over if that's what we do, because you can kind of make a generic call for, you know, people need to be more accountable. They need to be more, um, self-aware and humble and spiritually mature or whatever. Um, and not really ever do anything to enforce that. If you conflate infidelity and rape, which is what's been happening. So, right,
0: right.
1: yeah, so that's kind of the, the broad brush strokes of what i've what i've been thinking about and noticing and um, and i think yeah when we're asking i think one of the things that i really wanted to get across and i think struggled to do so effectively or maybe my words are falling on deaf ears i don't know but i think that we we make a we air air very dangerously we make a huge mistake when we start by asking questions about formation and accountability for male leaders and don't start with systemic questions, and by listening to victims.
0: And that's one thing that you um, pointed out. I can't remember. Let me see if because I'm, I'm I got the post here, and one thing you point, one thing that caught my attention was you said, "What if we looked at these stories of people like Ravi and um, all the other." I mean, you had, um, it's not massages, but you had, you know, someone like Eddie Long from way back when, and yep. um, you lo- look at these stories as patterns rather than isolated instances of individual failure and ask why these patterns prevail. Um, that seems to be a, a, I think part of that has to do with just how we look at our relationship with God as individual. This mm-hmm. me and Jesus whole me and Jesus um, uh, paradigm for just religious formation and and really where the responsibility lies is always in the individual. So Ravi sinned and like oh man you know he 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 fell because he was not a, a good Christian as it were. Um, and but the idea of organizations causing you know either turning the other way or really not really doing anything substantive to try and um you know investigate these issues is, is also a problem. One thing I um well before I get to the second thing what, what can you expound maybe a little bit more on your perception of the the, the patterns repeat repeating patterns you know vis-a-vis this um just like individual instances of that really are Ravi Zacharias is a an outlier on what is otherwise a pretty good system
1: hmm.
0: right because that's the I feel like yeah. that's the uh, it's not the correlator, yeah. but it's, it's the presupposition like oh man yeah. Ravi just you know he spoiled what was a really good thing so we don't need to fix yeah. the system. We just have to make sure that these people stop sinning or let's keep it real. We just need to make sure that people stop raping. <laughs>
1: That's what's yeah. going to fix oh, everything. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think this is a can of worms, right? So, um, and I think that this is where I, I'm trying to make the distinction and trying to, even in interacting with people in comments and other stuff that I'm writing, really working to make this distinction of like, you can ask um the same type of question from a different perspective and or from a different angle. And that angle can make all the difference. So um, what I what I'm seeing people starting to recognize that this is a systemic problem. Right. So you've a lot of people are saying, yeah, like, oh, my gosh, like this comes on the heels of like Carl Lentz and, you know, all these other people who have had like kind of similar or at least like sexual scandals because i i don't think like what carl lance did was terrible but like also he didn't rape anybody as far as we know so like we need to like make sure that distinction stays super super clear um yeah uh just lost my train of thought hang on <laughs> uh but yeah so asking the question from the right angle so there's a lot of people asking questions about formation um what is what is the what's wrong with the way that evangelicals do spiritual formation? What's wrong with the way that we do um, sex ed, the way that we talk about, you know, relationships and marriage and men and women and sex and all of that. And those are, those are questions to ask, but I don't think they're the first questions to ask. And I think that we still are not asking the first question, which is how is this system designed to enable and protect charismatic charismatic men over people, other people, over the, the people in the ministry, the people they're ministering to. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I want to start. And I think that we have to start by actually listening to the stories of victims, which we're not particularly uh, good at doing because it's very uncomfortable. Um, so, and the reason I think it's important that we start there is because that, so backtracking a little bit. Um, when I was in seminary, I interned with a ministry that does restorative justice in prisons. And one of the things that was really drilled, it was like through and through, like through the entire program, um, is that the victim is always at the center. You can't have justice without keeping the victim at the center of the process. Like, yes, we want to see, um, change and restoration and redemption in the lives of perpetrators. But that never comes before the victim because whatever sin was committed was against the victim. The perpetrator mm-hmm. um, was sort of uh, putting them, was certainly putting themselves in their wants before the victim in that moment. So we can't put their um, restoration first. Right. And I think that that's, that's a little bit what we're seeing right now too. Um, in the way this is being talked about. So um, yeah, so we have to start there. And I think that we can then, if we're asking those questions, like what, what do victims need? How did the system fail them? That may, it will lead to questions about formation and theology and all of those other things. But there's a bunch of important steps that are missed along the way.
0: And one of the things I, you know, was thinking about is this idea of, you know, people talk about uh, there has uh, some of the things, the ways that people have framed uh, what Ravi did was through the lens of infidelity so that he committed a, a moral, uh, it was a moral failure, right, on his part. And the, the, the way that um, almost like preserves his dignity through throughout this process. And the reality is that this man was a rapist. -hmm. Right, and I'm wondering, and I, I, you know, talk about formation. I think one of the things that we, um, it's not conflate, but we, uh, we, when when we talk about being a Christian, we're also assuming that you're a good person, Hmm. and you're also not like you know you're not of this world, right? Yeah, you're not Harvey Weinstein. So even even though Ravi Zacharias did the same things that Harvey Weinstein did to these women. He's not of this world. Therefore, it was just a moral failure. So all we have to do is learn how not to commit this moral failure. But how different would it be if you say, you know what? We need to figure out how these leaders of ours need to stop raping women. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine you have a seminar on that. Who's going to come? Right or right. or who's going to? I mean, what board of trustees is going to say, "Hey, that's a really great idea." But you talk about framing the the if you reframe the question, it changes the the the, the meaning or at least the the results dramatically. Is one of the things I was thinking about is you know churches have like all these bylaws and blah 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 blah. Right, some yeah. of them are you know good bad whatever. That's just up to those churches. But one of the things I've been thinking about is like having some kind of uh legal um either stricture or or something that says look these things will take you to prison ain't no like church committee or deacon board like your ass is going to jail yeah if you do these things you are going to prison and obviously now you know you get into church and state and whatever but Part of me just feels like that's the one of the missing pieces is as long as all of these things good, whether it's like, you know, formation in the right going you know towards the kingdom or, you know, some of these destructive behaviors, if it's always staying in the moral realm and that protects a lot of predators, perpetrators and oppressors from just going to jail, serve your time and pay for your crimes. Cuz this man was committing crimes, let's be honest. So yeah. he needs to pay for if he was still alive, he would need to pay for his crimes. Yeah. Not yeah. go to not go to counseling.
1: Yeah. Um absolutely. And I think though like one I'm trying to take a step back even further from that question of like how how do we stop men from raping people because that question um presupposes that it's always going to be a few charismatic and powerful men at the top. Yep. And I think that that's, that's like one of the structural questions that I think needs to be asked is like, and, and actually the interesting thing is that Robbie Zacharias has women high up in his ministry. Right. Um, But they're related to him. Right. So I was talking with my mom about this last night. My mom was, I think like the assistant director of like this nonprofit in her community, like local stuff, but they had, really extensive training and really detailed policies on the leadership of the nonprofit. So you couldn't be a board member and be related to anyone else on the board or anyone else on the executive team. It's called great policy. (laughs) Exactly. Great policy. And I, I don't know anything about Ravi's daughters. I have no opinion. I don't, I have an opinion about his wife a little bit because she's, I don't think responded to this in the best way possible, but, um, uh, yeah, whatever. Like they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. This is not a family decision. This is much larger. So, um, but yeah, the, I think the question of like, how do we get men to stop raping women presupposes that women are always going to be in a position of um, uh, submission and kind of inferior power status. And I think that that's, that's a, a systemic question that needs to be asked too, and is not being asked because then it opens a whole theological can of worms, which like a lot in the, many people in the evangelical community are afraid to touch.
0: Well, and I mean, that's, and a large part of it comes to, you know, and th- one of the things that's, that's challenging here and not to, and this is not to apologize for, I'm not given an apologetic for any kind of theological denomination, merely to point out that a lot of the theological points that this uh that this um tragedy um uh points to uh, are very foundational to certain denominations churches yes. whatever to their yep. like core identity and yes. so to to broach the question is to ask not merely a, a theological question but an identity question and that is what makes it so difficult to to have it and then a, f- a further question would become, well, if you know let's say you know you actually do broach the question and you talk about us, so, you know you have your whatever, you have your committee, you get your committee and now you come up to next steps. Well, what do you do? So how do you so how do you maintain a th- you know probably you'd want to maintain a theological position if it's you know key to your identity. Um, so let's say you want to maintain a theological position, but then how do you maintain that position? with proper or, you know, alternative practices, that becomes a harder question, uh, an equally difficult question too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's certain, uh, uh, denominations or networks or whatever. Like I listed a couple of my posts, like the Southern Baptist convention is probably going to be hardcore complementary until the end of time. The same for the sovereign grace church. Um, and they're, they're really making an effort. Um, and I appreciate that. I don't think it goes far enough. I think that, and I'm going to tick off a lot of people when I say this and I say this and I know, and I know plenty of complimentary people who care about women. So I'm not trying to say that complimentary right. don't care about women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, um, when you have a system that only works, if men are basically sinless, um, right. that's, and like super in the spirit submitted to Jesus at every moment mm-hmm. of the day, that's the only way that system really works and doesn't exploit women and children. So to in my view, that I, that's a harsh mm-hmm. statement, but I think that that's, that's kind of what I've seen over the years in my own experience. And then, um, you know, also on a, on a national scale. So
0: Or men, not so much, I wouldn't even, I pres- I wouldn't say sinless or, or let me. what do you think about this? So it's not even so much being sinless, it's being um, almost, they're more predisposed to Christian formation because they're men.
1: There you go, yeah. So yeah.
0: it's not so much that like they're, you know, <laughs> there's some kind of hypostatic union with Jesus. Yeah. Or you could yeah. make, I mean, you could get super into poetics and <laughs> make that point if you wanted to but i think the the more a more um i think conservative position would just to say that there's a a functional uh pre uh a functional under i think a functional way we we position uh men as as having almost a, 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 they're more predisposed to be um christ like than women therefore then obviously now it's not so much the position that's more the interest why because well th- that means that they they're obviously better leaders right they, they they know what to do with the church better you know or and, and I mean, more
1: in the image of god
0: and more in the image of which god. is and,
1: which is unstated but it's what it right and and this this
0: this gets really like deep in the weeds as it were and and what i find is that the 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 challenge here is Similar to the race question, in that when you talk about um, like frameworks, systems, so on and so forth, it's not it's merely pointing at particular people, but mm. at 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 trains of thought, at uh, systems of thought, at um, practices that have become institutionalized to the point of being normal, mm-hmm. right. So when something's normal, even if you do it, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. We need different frameworks to 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 talk about how does someone who let's say someone from RZIM, right, who was a part of the investigating committee and they never found anything. Actually, they didn't even investigate enough. Is that person a bad person?
1: So someone this. Go ahead. Just. Yeah. So now that you bring that up. Um, I forget the name of the guy, but one of the other, I think he's like the, uh, like vice president of the ministry or assistant vice president or something along those lines. Um, and like a known apologist and stuff like that. Um, said,
0: the, um, John Lennox. I think no, Was well, not no, it's, you, it's it's the someone, Irish guy.
1: No, somebody else. Um but within RZIM. Okay. So he um I forget the name and it's killing me, but whatever. Um suggest people can look it up. He suggested when the allegations first came out that they hire a rough ex-cop type person to dig up dirt on the accusers. Oh. So like is he is he culpable? Wow. <laughs> Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Definitely. he's complicit. He's culpable. He's, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to have to answer for, to God for that. And he should yeah. answer to, you know, that that's yeah, pretty crazy. Um, yeah. That's harassment and obstruction right. of justice and a bunch right. of other stuff. So, right. but,
0: but again, and, and to the, that, that end right there is not a moral failure. That's nope. this person is legitimately, um, committing crimes. Yep. So, but, and, and, and and even in terms of like, because I mean, we bring up that word complicity again because this becomes important because like I remember, I think it was we were talking about race at one of the um, I can't remember which episode it was, um, and you were talking about how when for you, you know, the light bulb clicked off, and you know, I think I think you said something to the effect of, um, you know, up until that point, <laughs> what were you doing, right? Like you were. It's not that even you were you were involved, it wasn't that you were a bad person, right? So then the question is like, well, what were you doing? And I think exactly. that's an important question too, because if if you if you like you're in the SBC, SGC or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're a sinner. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person, that you're on the wrong side of history, that you're on um the um, that you hate women, or that you don't like Black people, or that you whatever mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that, right? right? And I feel like that's where a lot of um, conversations um, react towards. That's the direction they react towards. Like, oh, so you think that I'm a whatever, or you think that right. I'm saying, th-. and 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 it doesn't, and we don't end up coming up to anything to having substantive conversations about even imagining what a future could be like if things were were different.
1: Right. Because in exactly like the race conversation, you're making such an important point that it's, uh, the people that tend to react really strongly to, um, talking about racism in the church, racism in society, whatever, also have that very individualistic kind of moral, um, orientation towards theology and towards, um, even their relationship with Christ and the world. So it's an individual attack. You're attacking their personal morality, which is not that we have to like, and I think that that's a a major theological failing of evangelicalism is that we've reduced all of creation and how it works into like good and bad, right and wrong choices and behavior. And it's just not that simple. So um, I mean, some things are that simple and like rape is that simple. in terms of an individual act, but it's not that simple in terms of the systems that make it possible and, um, enable it. So, um, yeah, very similar. And I, I'm not calling anyone a sexist or a misogynist or whatever. Um, and I think also very similarly, I was thinking about this last night cause I was, uh, trying to respond to a comment without like very gently. I think that that's a really difficult piece and i wonder if you feel like this talking about race sometimes but um i am very cognizant that i am a strong woman with strong opinions and that often that means that i am perceived as angry or bitter or um or uh shrill or bossy or whatever all the pejorative adjectives that are just pretty lazy but whatever and so i'm like always battling that like even when i was writing this thing like Man, in my head, I'm I'm like thinking like expletives at points. I'm like just tearing my hair out. Like, but I have to present a certain way in order to be heard. And yeah. um and I'm I'm sure that you probably feel a similar way at times, like there's a certain amount of um gentleness and even coddling that has to happen in order to have a conversation that's really exhausting and difficult. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, and you know, I think, um, so w- what I would say is I, one of the, it's not, a, I'm not going to say like a model, like I know it by heart or anything like that, but in terms of just the um, the the voice that I I use is, I always have in mind Martha King's letter from the Birmingham jail, mm. and which is really powerful. And I feel like a lot, when people think about that, they're like, oh man, it's such a powerful thing. Even people for whom... If you look at what the um, if you look at their practices, they were they would line up with the kinds of people that Martin Luther King was admonishing in that letter. Even and and yep. even if that's the case, and even when that's the case, they still think that letter is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. at some point, you uh, you have to you know do that. You have to make the prophetic utterance. Um, in such a way that, and, and this comes, and you know, I, I think Jesus was right. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have yeah. eyes to see, let them let them see. Is that the 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 call to, and I feel like prophetic utterances are also calls to formation. It's in mm. the utterance itself, yeah. and it's and it's and it's picked up by those who want to hear. For those who don't want to hear, all they will say is like, "Oh man, that was cool." That was good. They'll agree with you, but they won't change. And so the thing is, the people that change is for whom the prophetic utterance was made for, even though it goes out to everybody. And this is the thing that um, I I learned from, from Bonhoeffer is that the people that hear the prophetic utterance are always very few.
1: Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. That's the
0: that's the, you know, everyone wants to talk Mm. about the call, call, being being called by God, whatever. And I hear very few people saying, "Man, God called me to be a prophet." Why? Because nobody listens to you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Very few people listen to you, and but that's just the way it goes, right? Um, And and so you know, I mean, for goodness sake, as as many people as love Dr. King, now I mean, dude was assassinated, so. Um, right you know right <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> he was most
1: hated man in America yeah the whole thing yeah right.
0: so and and I mean I, I, I you know I don't want to detract from like to to, to, to talk to make this whole thing about race but rather to, to to just point out that when you particularly and I think I when I texted you about you know remind me of that's actually that you it reminds me of Ezekiel in a way I think I, okay, I was going to type it and then I deleted it. <laughs> it reminds me of Ezekiel. <laughs> when God called Ezekiel, he said, I'm going to send you to your own people. Yeah. And they will not listen to you. Nevertheless, like speak the word. And I feel like that's how, uh, when, when you, you talk about foundational theological beliefs and, and, you know, how do you change something like this, when it comes to this... This this conflating moral failure with legitimate, uh, like legal transgression where your mm-hmm. ass needs to go to jail, um, is that you're speaking to your own people who will not listen to you for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so what do you do? What do you What are you gonna do with the call of God on your life? Is you just have to you yeah. just have to you have to do it. You have to be, make the utterance, and um. Uh, but God is with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. Cause that you say that, cause I felt that sense of calling for a long time that like, as much as the church drives me crazy, like they're, they're my people and, you know, and far be it from me to say that I do not have major blind spots. Cause I know that I do. Right. Um, so there's, there needs to be some humility there too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange because I think that in many ways, like I, I have not had the same traumatic experience of church that a lot of people have. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've like, just just to be very uh, blunt, like I've never been raped, you know? I've like been harassed and groped a couple times by like, you know, random like people I went to church with or youth group with or whatever, but I've never, I've never experienced that level of assault mm. and, or even spiritual abuse, you know, and yeah. I've I've been really protected too, because I've been under spiritually abusive personalities wow. and narcissistic personalities and leadership, and I've never um, dealt with it like some have. So um, it's, it feels very strange to me that this is that I'm, I'm the one talking because I feel like mm-hmm. there's so many more people with way more pain, yeah. um, that, but that isn't that the way to? it goes though. Yeah.
0: And that's part of the narrative too, is the people with the most pain are the ones who don't, who, who, who are the last to speak in part because they're the last to be believed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And they've been habitually and repeatedly silenced so that, you know, it's like a friend of mine commenting on this post was talking about, she had been groomed and assaulted in a ministry and it took her eight years to be able to talk about it. And she is a strong woman. Like she is not, she's not some shrinking violet never has been. I've known her since middle school. So, you know, like this is, uh, the fact that she was saying that I was like, okay, yeah. So this is not, it's not just like, uh, yeah anyway yeah so I guess I my my tongue is looser because I haven't experienced that same level of trauma and Mm. you know lord use it how He will I guess but
0: geez well I mean what you know I mean we gotta you know I don't want to keep keep long sounds looks like you're about to go exercise and uh, work out all your frustrations at Mm. at crossfit do you crossfit
1: i do crossfit
0: yeah go ahead kill it so um i'll let you go to that but anything you want to end off with like where do we go from here and sure really like um like how can how can for people who don't who who are struggling to see this as like something that's as serious as we perhaps are 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 trying Mm. to, to make it how can we move forward um, At least, just like step one.
1: Okay. So I think step one is that, um, to recognize that God is on the side of justice and God is on the side of the victim. Yep. Um, and I mean, God, God loves the oppressor too. Like, let's, let's be real. He does. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of justice, God is always in uh, on an advocate for the victim. Um, And, and he does not become Christianity is not going to be threatened. If we ask questions that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that that's like, you know, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus are not, they -hmm. become more powerful when we ask hard questions, not less. So, um, I think that we have to, um, and I say this, I think I think about this with myself. like there's certain theological and like sort of uh, anthropo- anthropological questions I'm asking right now. Um, we have to ask the questions that make us uncomfortable. We don't necessarily have to um, have to go wherever the wind takes us with the answers. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be with us. Jesus will be with us in asking the uncomfortable questions. So, even if a systemic question makes you uncomfortable, even if a theological question makes you uncomfortable, entertain it because it's not going to take away from Jesus like there's nothing we can do that do that that will do that. so um, I think that's the start and then I think that's that's a that's a thing to have in your mind to start and then then ask questions of victims, listen to victim stories, listen to their critiques of the church and of theology and of, um, you know, just, and listen to their experiences about when they came forward. So, um, and everything that led up to that point, just listen to victims. And there are plenty of people out there that are, um, documenting that stuff. There's, there's one person I wanted to shout out because I think she's been, she's been writing a lot about, uh, purity culture and she's done a lot of research on purity culture and its impacts on, um, the lives of married women. Um, and and rape culture is really prominent in that research. So um her name's Sheila Ray Gregoire, and she has a podcast called bare Marriage, and she also has a a blog with a pretty cringy title, in my opinion, but it's called, uh, to love, honor, and vacuum. But she's a she's a Christian sex therapist, and um I've really enjoyed her research and her writing and um her podcast, and she has a lot of great input on this stuff. So um yeah. Like seek out, seek out voices that are going to make you uncomfortable and, yeah. and listen and sit with the discomfort.
0: That's powerful. I, I, I just wanted to the, 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 add just a tidbit. And just to say that um, when, when you ask hard questions, um, a lot of the, the thing is these hard questions have people's lives and stories embedded in the answers and our lives are not short stories where you finish yes. it all in one chapter. Yeah. This is a this is a book-long journey that you're entering into and so you, we won't have the answers to our questions in one conversation. Is yep. that part of asking the question is entering and committing to a journey to find the answers. Um and that's that's the most yeah. I think you talk about framing. I think that's a good way to frame it. Yeah.
1: And, and I think I forget who says it. You'll, I'm sure you'll know, but just that, uh, our lives, if we're following Jesus are just kind of repeated experiences of death and resurrection. Mm.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So embrace this as potentially a death that will lead to a greater resurrection. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, that's it for, for us here. And, um, thank you for being so open, uh, for your candor. Um, and, uh, just from, from us here at the, at the GPP, I'm Moki Musau, your host. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Um, for now we are out.